So instead of a Hokkien mindful hiking retreat, it's going to be an English speaking mindful hiking retreat. First of all, let me start off by asking you why you bow three times. Why do you bow three times? Don't know. Usually people say it's for the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. You bow three times once towards the Buddha image and then I come again, you bow three times. Doesn't really make much sense. Our interpretation here is that the first bow is out of gratitude. Out of gratitude for the teachings. The second is out of respect for the virtue of the teacher, whether it's a Buddha or another teacher. And the last bow is out of love for being our teacher. So you bow three times out of gratitude, respect and love to the Buddha and also to your teacher when he comes. It makes more sense. And I got this idea from the Tibetan tradition. Let's begin. I think all of you have taken the A precept. Just a few explanations here. Basically, the precepts are all about intentions. You only break the precept if there's an intention involved. If you purposely, intentionally kill the mosquito, for example. But if you walk along and then you accidentally step on the line of ends that are crossing your path, that's not breaking the precept if it's accidental. Even if you intentionally deprived any living being of life, that means you break the precept. For lay people, it's very easy for you to retake your precept. All you need to do is to resolve within your own mind that you'll be more careful in the future and you will not commit the same mistake. That's all. You don't have to come to me to take the precept. You don't have to go in front of the Buddha image to take the precept. It's all your own personal mental affair. As to taking what is not given, we are walking through some parts of the forest reserve, but actually there's nothing here that is protected by the government, except for the big trees. It's okay if you damage some vegetation. Within here, maybe there are some things you're not sure whether they are meant for you or not. If you're not sure, then please ask the staff. Is anybody here on some cough mixture? No one is coughing, right? Anybody here on any medication? What sort of medication? Blood thinning. You're going to get a lot of leeches. If you thin your blood, leeches bite you, then you're going to stop your blood flowing. But you have to be extra careful. Eating after solar noon. Here the solar noon is about after 110. So you try to finish eating whatever you can by 110. Now, there's some flexibility about uh, drinks and beverages in the afternoon. Some teachers allow coffee and cocoa and Milo with milk and so forth, but I don't. For this retreat, unless you have some health issues that coffee or cocoa can help you, please don't take them. No coffee, no cocoa. No tea. But our kitchen's volunteers, they might prepare some herbal drinks for you. When you come back after your hiking, if you find that the herbal drinks are good for your body, then you can take them. Usually it's cooling because it's very hot weather now. But if it's not suitable for you, then don't take. 
your gasping for trouble. Some people, when they go for hiking, they bring this extra power nugget to eat. Did you all bring anything? No, right? <laughs> you might think that it's quite a challenge to just eat breakfast and lunch before solar noon and then hike and then come back and don't eat anything at night. But really, it's not really that bad. It's just a matter of getting used to it and also estimating the amount that you should take. But it's not like a sit-walk retreat. During a sit-walk retreat, you will have to be very accurate in how much you take because if you take too much, then when after lunch, you have a hard time keeping awake when you sit. If you take too little, you might be very fresh and alert after lunch, but towards the evening and early in the morning, you might be so hungry, you can't meditate. But when you're hiking, you can't feel sleepy. You need to take more. And even if you feel that you, you can't digest, you'll be exercising away, you're burning away the calories anyway. But so what we are going to do here is we're going to have an early brunch. It depends on how you've conditioned your body. We will go collect our brunch at 7.30. And then you can have a heavy breakfast and a light lunch later. We will stop by the waterfall before noon. And you can have your meal there. Or you can reverse, have a light breakfast and a heavy meal. It's your choice. Or you can stick to just one meal, like myself. I'm just going to take one meal. We shall proceed to collect food at 7.30 and then we will, after I finish my meal and you all finish your preparations, then we shall start off after 9.30. Whether it rains or shines. Do you have ponchos with you? But you don't mind getting wet? <laughs> Raincoat? No raincoat, no poncho. <laughs> well, let me see whether we have any spare or not. You've got it's rainy weather now. Well, you take a backpack with you, put a plastic bag and put extra clothing in there. Well, your hiking is not so bad because you're heated up. This is then sometimes during lunchtime it rains and you have to eat under the rain. You might want to borrow a foldable umbrella so that you can have a dry lunch. <laughs> so much for the precepts. They're quite easy. That's the only thing that I need to explain about what is to be taken before noon. The next thing is asking for forgiveness. It is a usual practice in traditional Buddhist cultures to ask for forgiveness at the end of an event that is conducted by a monk or a nun. And it's a blanket forgiveness where they say, Bhante, if intentionally or unintentionally I have offended you in any way through thought, speech or action, please forgive me. Oh, that's a blanket forgiveness. I do not encourage that because when you do that, you don't know what you did wrong. And you just ask for a blanket forgiveness, it becomes a ritual, and the next time you'll do the same thing again. When I did some research in the suttas, I found that during the Buddha's time, people did not do blanket forgiveness. If they did anything wrong, they would approach the Buddha or the person whom they offended, and then specify what they did wrong and ask for forgiveness. In this century, we don't have this blanket forgiveness. But this is an exception. This is not for current situations. This is in case you have 
committed some grave transgressions in the past life. For example, you might have hurt some people, or you might have even murdered or killed some beings in the past. And then these beings could have been reborn as spirits or ghosts. And they might be hanging around trying to take revenge. It seems that when people try to meditate, and then they reach a level of semi-samadhi, like it's neither normal consciousness nor is it samadhi, it's like in between, when like you're in a sleepy state, then it seems that these beings can come in and create hallucinations, give you visions, or even more damaging, they will come and talk to you, and give you instructions and ask you to do things which will hurt you and others. This is one of the things. Another thing is that they could also hinder or obstruct your progress in meditation in other ways. In order to prevent this from happening, we ask for a blanket forgiveness. This is for past misdeeds in the past life. Since we cannot remember our past lives, either intentionally or intentionally through thought, speech or action. Well, you might have offended somebody else who will not take revenge on you, but for example, he could be a very highly attained uh, spiritual practitioner. Perhaps you were more ignorant in the past, not so knowledgeable. You were more conceited and more arrogant. You could have insulted or offended a very highly attained spiritual practitioner and that could also be an obstacle in your practice. In order to prevent that from happening, in order to sort of wash that away, you could also ask for forgiveness. The best thing is to approach that person that you, whom you offended, if he's still alive or if he's still around. If he's not around, not within your capability to approach right now, then we do this. The third day, if you have indulged in any spirit cults before, then you should also try to renounce all these associations before you start meditating, or else that could also hinder you. Because some of these spirits, they don't like people who meditate because they are afraid that you might become better than them. Especially those people who collect amulets, talismans and Buddha images, some of these are associated with these spirits and they could be a hindrance to your practice. If you have done any of these things, you should renounce them before you start your meditation. So that's what I'm going to do now. So please repeat after me. Throughout the round of births and deaths, without a conceivable beginning, if I have offended, any Samasam Buddhas, any Pacheka Buddhas, any Arahants, any awakened persons, any of my parents, any of my teachers, or any other beings, intentionally or unintentionally, to thought, speech, or action, I humbly ask for forgiveness. At the same time, throughout the round of births and deaths, without a conceivable beginning, 
I absolutely forgive all those who offended me intentionally or unintentionally through thought, speech or action regardless of what I've done I also fully forgive myself furthermore if I have indulged in any spiritual activities that promote unwholesomeness and are contrary to the Buddha's teaching I now renounce and abandon them by the power of these merits may I attain Nibbana in comfort and with quick-witted insight <laughs> 